Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, on a Thursday, September 26th, 2019. It's the last crowd noise of September, and it is also the last crowd noise of the MLB regular season. MLB regular season comes to a close on, I want to say, this Saturday, I believe, if not Sunday. Uh, The playoffs start October 1st, which is next Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday. And can I just say, this might be the fastest MLB regular season in the history of the MLB. I mean, this season went by in the blink of an eye. It feels like just a few months ago, really. I mean, it was months ago, but it feels like maybe a month and a half or two months ago, we were talking about the Dodgers, we are talking about the Red Sox and the World Series, and all of a sudden, we're getting ready to get right back into the postseason. Uh, the Dodgers are back. They're the number one seed. The Red Sox will not repeat and defend their World Series title. They're already eliminated, and we're getting right into it today. Um, we're not going to do a postseason preview because, well, there's a few reasons why. Number one, Postseason starts on a Tuesday officially, which is the first wild card. You have the wild card, uh, the first wild card on October first, which is a Tuesday. The second one on October second, which is a Wednesday, obviously. And the next day, Thursday, is when technically, well, not technically. That's when series start. And I was going to say technically, that's when the postseason starts, but it's not. The postseason starts on Tuesday. So what I was planning on doing is foregoing the preview. Today, because the postseason bracket also is not even technically filled. For the most part, it is. I feel it's set. What we have right now is what I feel is what we're going to get. In the NL, it's it's all set in stone, essentially. You have the Dodgers locked in at the number one seed. That is, that's done. They're locked in as the number one seed in the NL. They will have home field advantage for at least, or until at least, the, the NL Championship Series. The Braves are locked in. As a number two seed, they are also locked in in the NL East. That's that's that ship has sailed. Uh, the Nats have clinched their playoff berth. They have clinched their playoff berth. They will be in the postseason. They, we will see them in the wild card. Very dangerous team in the postseason because of that three-headed monster in Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. And specifically in a one-game playoff, you have one chance to extend your postseason hopes, and it's against Max Scherzer. Uh, at in Washington at this moment in time, uh, not a great place to be. The Brewers have clinched their postseason uh, berth. They're the hottest team in baseball. Since Yelich has gone down, it looked like they were done. They were dead in the water, and they're 12-2. and two. So with, Without Yelich, since Yelich hurt his knee, broke his kneecap, they're 12-2, they're and two, the hottest team in baseball. They have clinched their postseason um, berth. And then in the NL Central, they're only a game and a half back of who's on top of them. The St. Louis Cardinals, who I picked in the preseason to win the division because of Jack Flaherty. And he is the reason they are in first place now. He Since the All-Star break in the second half of the season, he has a 0.97 ERA, making a late, late case, a late run. At the Cy Young Award, Jack Flaherty has been lights out. He's been phenomenal. He was the reason I, I picked him to win this division in the first place. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I may have picked him to win the Cy Young Priest. That I don't remember. I always like to pat myself on the back, and I'm kind of patting myself on the back right now. But I do not remember. If, and he's not going to win the Cy Young. It's either going to be Scherzer or Hunjin Ryu. But he is making a very strong case um, in the second half of the season. So the NL is is essentially... That ship is almost sailed. We, we, we're getting essentially what we have right here. Um, that looks like it's not going to move anywhere. The Brewers do play today against the Reds. St. Louis has a day off, so they can trim that game-and-a-half lead uh, down and potentially make a run at winning the division, which I think is certainly going to help them specifically because, again, the, the Brewers do not have, and I guess we are doing an MLB preview, We do not. the Brewers do not have a number one ace on the staff anywhere close to Max Scherzer and you're going into that without Christian Yelich now the Brewers are red hot as I just said but when when you're facing an ace on the staff like Max Scherzer one of the greatest pitchers of our generation and perhaps of all time I'm not really liking your chances it would actually be a better draw for them 
to be the lower-seeded team against Atlanta than it would for them to be in a one-game wild card against the Nationals. I don't like their chances there. And on the AL, or in the AL, um, the top three seeds are essentially locked in. It's really the wild card that's nothing is set. But I, f- I feel like it's going to stay it's going to stand pat with what we have. The number one seed currently is actually the Houston Astros. Uh, they are the number one seed in the AL currently. Now the number one seed overall is still very much up for grabs. The Astros are number one. The, the Yankees, I believe, are a game and a half or a half game behind them, and the Dodgers are a half game behind the Yankees. And in fact, I think they're tied with the Yankees now, if I'm not mistaken. I have not checked that, but if I'm not mistaken, they are tied with the Yankees. The Dodgers won last night, and the Yankees lost last night to the Tampa Bay Rays. So uh, the Dodgers are even closing that gap even further. So as far as the number one seed overall, that is still up for grabs between those two teams, or three teams, excuse me. And the number two seed currently, you do have the New York Yankees. They would face the the AL Central champs, uh, the Minnesota Twins. They were, I will give them all the credit in the world. They were able to hold off the Cleveland Indians, even with Corey Kluber returning for his, I mean, and then, and then not returning um, or com- coming back. Uh, they trade away Trevor Bauer. They just didn't have, they, they never really got going for the Indians. They really never got it, um, all their steam behind them as I thought they would. I picked them to win the division because of their starting pitching. Um, and they're starting pitching this year. Just never really materialized. There's a lot of injury problems for them. They trade away Trevor Bauer. Um, they, it just never really came to fruition for Cleveland this year. And currently, they are out of the playoffs. And it looks like that's where they're going to be uh, come October. Is out of the playoffs. Doesn't look like they're going to make it. You have currently in the wild the AL wild card, which would be a very fun game and hard for me to pick because these are two of my favorite teams in baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays. How do you not? Love Blake Snell. I mean, he's one of the most exciting pitchers in the game. Reigning Sayel winner in the AL. He's not going to win it this year. But until so, until someone else is crowned, he is the Cy Young winner in the AL. Is Blake Snell. Who'd likely get the game one or the wild card start um, should Tampa Bay hang on to that wild card berth. Um, and then the Oakland A's. Love the Oakland A's a lot. Matt Chapman, Chris, da- Chris Davis has had a sorry year this year. But... We all know he's got plenty of power, but Matt Chapman, maybe the best defensive third baseman in all of baseball, outside of Nolan Arenado, of course, but he's fantastic, fun to watch. The A's are a fun team to watch. That'd be a really, really exciting game. That game would be in Oakland currently, and this is why I said I wasn't going to do an MLB postseason preview, but I guess I am, is because the wild card is not set in either league. Uh, We don't know if it's going to be the Brewers and the Nats or potentially the Cardinals and the Nats, and that would be a phenomenal game to watch. You would get red-hot Jack Flaherty and then Max Scherzer in a, in a winner-take-all wild-card game. That would be just um, box office television. Then in the AL wild-card, none of those spots are actually sealed, though I think both teams will hang on. I do think the Rays will hang on and the A's will hang on, and that's what we'll get for the AL wild-card game. So what I'm thinking of doing is not... So this is what we'll call it. We'll call today your your postseason, your MLB postseason preview. We will be doing a preview. And then next Thursday, which is October 3rd, one week from today, uh, both wildcard games will have already been played and they'll, they'll have passed. Then we will do a postseason bracket. We will pick all the remaining series, which is the two division series and each um, league and then the championship series and world series and so on and so forth Does that sound good i think that sounds fair we can do our preview today and we're not going to do any picks any winners nothing like that until next thursday because obviously the games don't start till night they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're prime time games so i'll still have time to have picked series without any games having gone by and i think that's a pretty fair shake do our preview today which we just pretty much did we kind of broke down every single team here um, and then we'll do our postseason bracket next week. I think that is fair. Um, I think that is more practical for me because you never know what could happen. I mean, Cleveland can come in and, and steal either one of those spots from uh, the A's or Tampa Bay. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. Perhaps Milwaukee does take the Central from the Cardinals, then that changes the whole wild card. Down. That changes everything because then you would have a formidable starting pitcher going up against Max Scherzer. Um, 
that changes what things look like for the Dodgers. I think the Nationals can give the Dodgers a lot of problems in that first round because it is a an abbreviated series and they have that three-headed monster, like I said, worth of starting pitchers. Um, Max Scherzer, while he will not be available, obviously, to begin the series with the Dodgers, again, this is even barring they win that game, um, he would not be available, obviously, for the first two games of the series, I would say, but... He would be available in Game 3, and it is an abbreviated series. That makes a huge, huge impact. And Game 3 in a 5-game series is the equivalent to, I would say, Game 5 in a 7-game series. It's really the turning point and maybe the most important and the most pivotal game in the series. You get Max Scherzer at home. That game would be at home in Washington for Game 3 for the Nationals. So that changes a lot. So the Dodgers were to drop, and again, this is all completely projecting. We don't even know if this is going to happen. The Nationals could lose that wild card game, and then none of this even matters. But let's just say, you know, we're just projecting the future. The Dodgers dropped one of the first two games in Dodger Stadium against the Nationals. Now you're looking at um, a 1-1 series going up, going against Max Scherzer, potentially going down 2-1 in the series where you only, you only need three to win the series. So I think the Nationals could give the Dodgers a lot of problems specifically in, the, in an abbreviated series. If they were to get past the Dodgers by... Um, in the NLDS and get into the NLCS, I don't think they would be as dangerous because the series is much longer. Even though it's two games, it, it makes a huge impact. Um, I don't think the Nationals would be nearly as dangerous later in the postseason. So a lot can happen. A lot can happen from now until next Tuesday. So we're not going to do any postseason picks, any predictions, nothing like that. I just drew out that whole national scenario just to show that's just one potential scenario out of 14,605. There's so many different outcomes. I'm not going to try and pick one um, before they're even set. So we're not going to do predictions, but we will do, and we just did, our postseason preview, I guess you could say. Um, How's it? We did a wild scenario for the NL. How about we do a wild scenario uh, for the AL? Just really quick. Uh, what if the Twins beat the Yankees? What if the Yankees do not get the number one seed in the AL and what would likely be the number one seed in all of baseball and they have to meet the Minnesota Twins um, in a three-game series, excuse me, a five-game series, first to three? The Twins could win that series, and here is why. While the Twins starting pitching is atrocious, I would argue so is the New York Yankees. Now, they do get back Luis Severino. That is huge for the Yankees. They will have a game one starter and perhaps a multi-inning reliever slash opener. Depends on how they want to use him. But Luis Severino coming back for the Yankees is a huge, huge weapon for them in any, in any capacity. But he has struggled in his career in the postseason. He's struggled in the regular season. Luis Severino is one of the streakiest pitchers in all of baseball, he could easily be a top three pitcher in MLB, and on any given day, he can, he can give up six runs in three innings. He's so streaky. So that, while it, it is a plus for the Yankees to get back Luis Severino, without a doubt, but it is a double-edged sword, and that's just one guy, just one pitcher. Um, the Yankees have a, an atrocious starting lineup as well. And the Twins are maybe the only team in all of baseball that can match the power, the offensive firepower of the New York Yankees. This will be, I believe, a five-game series. And we're not doing predictions. I'm trying to, trying to stop myself because it's so hard to... When you're a psychic, it's hard to not make predictions. Um, this will be a very interesting series and maybe the most competitive series of the first round, I would argue. Um, because the Twins are so similar, similarly um, built... To the Yankees, I think it would be a very competitive series. Now, the Twins have nowhere near close to the bullpen of the New York Yankees, but for that bullpen to factor into the games, you have to have a lead. And the Twins can keep up with the Yankees offensively. So that will be another wild a wild scenario uh, in the AL. What if the Twins make it to the championship series and the Yankees get balanced in the first round? It could happen. It could happen. The Twins are a very good team. They were able to hold off the Indians. They're the highest scoring team. They're maybe the most potent offense in all of baseball, and they've done it all season long. They're not a fluke at this point. I mean, we're already talking about October. They're not a fluke. Um, it, it, it's not that 
far of a reach to imagine the Twins beating the Yankees and the Nationals beating the Dodgers. Perhaps the two best teams in all of baseball could be out in the first round of the postseason. So there is your um, MLB postseason preview. We will have a full bracket prediction next Thursday once the wild card games uh, have been completed. Those will be tons and tons of fun to watch when they are officially set. I want to say all teams in the NL have already clinched. I believe so. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so the NL is set. Everyone who's in the NL right now is, they're going to be playing. If you're looking at the MLB bracket currently as, a, uh, as, a, as I am, all the teams in the NL will be playing. These teams, the NL is set. No one's getting in. The seeding, however, is up for grabs, and really it's more so for the wild. It really depends on the, on the NL Central. That really is, is what it depends on. And the AL, uh, the entire wild card is up for grabs. Tampa Bay, Oakland, and Cleveland. Cleveland is still in it. They could still sneak their way uh, into the wild card. I don't think they will, but it is, it is a possibility. It's uh, mathematically still possible for them uh, to get into the playoffs. So, you know, a lot can change from now until next Tuesday and especially from now until next Thursday. And I cannot wait to watch those wild card games. Any combination is going to be fun to watch because the wild card is maybe the craziest game in, in all of postseason sports. I mean, it's a one-game playoff in a sport that is designed to have series. Like in football, it, it, you, it's impossible to have a, a, a series. That is standard one-game playoff. In basketball, it's built for series. Baseball is also built to have series. So when you have this one-game do-or-die playoff, it, I mean, these games are nuts. It's going to be exciting. Cannot wait. Personally, hoping St. Louis actually plays in the wild card, which would negate my preseason prediction of St. Louis winning uh, the Central, but only because I want to see that Flaherty-Scherzer matchup. I want to see that so bad. That would make for a fantastic wild card game. Um, pitchers duel, and then in the AL wild card, you'd have an offense. You'd have a um, a track meet. You, the final score would be ten to nine or something like that. You'd have plenty of home runs, so something for everyone. So make sure you watch those games. There's your MLB postseason preview. Now on to football, and we had ourselves a week last week. Let me just tell you right now, your boy Psychic Steve had himself a fantastic week three in the NFL and week. Four, I believe, in college football. We had a fantastic week last week. Now, going into last week, remember, we kind of had what I like to call, we had a cheese week. The, the week prior, went 3-0 and with kind of some shady picks. But in my defense, again, there was no good games on last week. Really didn't have that much of a selection. Uh, and so I wanted to make it up to you. I picked not just one, not just two, but all three games were top 25 matchups in all three games. And I'm very happy to let you know, we had a big fat 3-0 last week, don't you know? That's a three-peat rhyme. Went 3-0 last week in our college picks, all top 25 matchups. We picked the upset correctly. It may not have even been an upset, really. Um, we got Wisconsin in a dominant win over Michigan, quickly becoming my favorite team in all of college football. Jonathan Taylor if you ask me, he has to be he's my favorite to win the Heisman. And again, it's about that time. It's still early, but it's getting late to be early. Um it's time to start picking um legitimate Heisman contenders. And Jonathan Taylor is he's legit. He is the truth. He's my favorite currently at the at the moment. A lot can change obviously from week to week. But my favorite uh to win the Heisman. Love what I saw from Wisconsin. They just manhandled Michigan dominating fashion. We had that one. Uh, Auburn on the road to Texas A&M. Again, no disrespect to the Aggies, but I never really bought in um, to how dangerous they were or weren't. Um, had Auburn in a win there. And then Georgia in a very tight win. Obviously, I was, I, I'm being honest, as I was watching that game, almost rooting for Notre Dame despite having picked uh, Georgia. It seemed like they were having... Georgia had, had the, um, excuse me, the bend don't break. They were the epitome of bend don't break. Notre Dame was driving down the field consistently in Georgia, and then as soon as they got into Georgia territory, it just stalled. Notre Dame had way too many drives that stalled, and I know they're ranked uh, this week. 
where are they? Number 10. They went from number 7 to number 10. So not a huge drop. The committee didn't really kill them for losing the, um, losing on the road. They kind of rewarded them in a sense for scheduling these top 10 matchups. And so people feel like Notre Dame are still burying the college football playoff conversation. For me, no. I, I, I don't see it. There's weight, especially this year. Um, and again, in college football, anything can change on any given Saturday. But there are way too many teams that are in the conversation. There's way too many teams uh, that are going to be vying for a spot in that college football playoff. You have Georgia, who's going to be around um, come late, when is it, November, December, when we're talking about you know Selection Sunday. They're going to be around, and they will obviously have the leg up on Notre Dame, having beaten them. Uh, they will likely have lost to Alabama and let's just say what if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship how do you how do you give Notre Dame the nod over Alabama it's not going to happen um Ohio State potentially Michigan let's say they run the table from here on out which I don't think will happen but just what if and if they if they were to run the table that means they would have beaten Ohio State I think Notre Dame is, is is done you still have LSU you still have Auburn you still have Florida in the mix, I think there's there's way too many teams, right? And that's, of course, all those teams can lose twice. In, in that case scenario, if everyone were to lose twice, then Notre Dame really has... You st- I didn't even mention Oklahoma. They're still undefeated and probably will be. Um, we got to see what happens in the Red River game. Um, but if they have if they lose that game, that's actually bad for Notre Dame because now you have a one-loss team, a one-loss Oklahoma and a one-loss te- Texas I don't see Notre Dame. I think they're done as far as the college football playoff is concerned. I I, I think their their best bet is a New Year's Six Bowl. I think they're done as far as the playoff is concerned. But they played very well. (laughs) Always trying to find a positive spin on things. They played very well. I like what I saw from Notre Dame. But they lost lost that game, and therefore their season as far as winning a national championship, much like the Dodgers will have to keep waiting um, since 1988. Uh, now on to what else do we have last week? Oh, that was it. We went three. So that was that was what we had last week. Went three and zero. We move our record in the college football season now to nine and three. What a record! I mean, we've been on fire. Six game win streak, by the way, because we went three and zero last week, and then we went three and zero the week before. Six game win streak. Nine and three on the season. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling fantastic. And this week it's going to go up in smoke because we have uh, some tough games here. We have some tough games here. We do have a cheese game of the week. Um, so that's, we we know we're not going to go over, but we may not have a winning week, as, as uh, disappointed as I am to relay that message to you. So with that being said, let's go. And if we go 3-0, and I'm going to be a nightmare to be around next week because I'm going to be gassing myself up like you've never heard before. And that is truly saying something. That is saying something. Um, if, if I go 3-0 and this week, uh, I'm going to be talking myself up like like no one's like you would never believe. So here we go. And this is the tough one. This is the one where it's really I, this is the one I'm most scared about, honestly. One I don't want to pick, quite frankly, cuz this one team I I I can't get a read on and I really don't like the team very much if I'm being quite honest with you. Um but it is a top 25 matchup. It is an important game, and so I don't have a choice and I like I I've said in the past, I will never duck a challenge. I will always accept the highest challenge that is presented to me. I'm never going to try and avoid these things. So I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because I only provide the best content possible for you, my beloved listener. Number 21, USC at in Seattle. Number 17, Washington. USC is maybe the hardest team in the country to get a read on. One week they look like it like maybe one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 out of UCLA or outside of UCLA. And then other weeks they look like they could win the Pac-12 and they could get into the Rose Bowl, which is still very much on the table for USC, ironically, because their one loss on the season, which is ugly. They should be four, especially after last week. They dominate Utah. And the week before, they lose to BYU. It makes no sense whatsoever. I have no read on you. And that's why I don't want to pick this game. You don't know what USC team you're going to get on any given week. And that's not a good thing. That's really not a good thing for as far as just being a football team in college football. And it's also not a good thing when you're trying to pick games and you're keeping track of your record. Because they are very hard to get a read on. They, beat, they lose to BYU one week. 
They dominate Utah the next week, who was, t- who was number 10 in the nation at the time in the Coliseum. And then they go on the road to face number 17, Washington. I have no idea what to expect from USC. I, I truly don't. I made it, And of course, as I'm writing these down in my, my Word document here, I pick teams in my head. And then I, when you get games like these with teams you can't really get a read on, I forgot who I picked. So now I'm just making a pick on the fly. And what's ironic, okay, going back to USC, Rose Bowl and Pac-12 champs are still very much on the table for this terrible football team that is USC. And they're not terrible, but they can they can be terrible on any given week, on any given possession. Um, because their one loss is to BYU, who is a non-conference opponent. So they can, and even later on down the road, when they eventually they're going to lose to Notre Dame, that is a non-conference opponent. They will still be very much in the conversation to win the Pac-12 and get into the Rose Bowl and have the, the luxury of losing to likely Wisconsin uh, in the Rose Bowl. That is still very much on the table. So it's, it's, as bad as things seem for USC, the sun always shines in Southern California. There's always something positive to look at for this team, which is kind of irritating a little bit because they don't really deserve all these good things. I'm going to be honest with you. USC irritates me this year. As much as I love USC and I love the tradition, you guys have heard me gas up the Trojans and their tradition on this show far too many times. They irritate me this season. This USC team, 2019, is an irritating football team because they're so wildly inconsistent. They look, uh, they dominate Utah at home. They look like they, they should be 4-0. And at that point, you're 4-0. You beat the number 10 team in the country. USC could be top 15 if they were 4-0. Now, do I think they're a top 15 team in the nation? No, but if you're 4-0 and you beat the number 10 team, well, then you're going to get some respect on your name. I don't see them beating Washington this week, but they can. I don't think they will, but they absolutely can because they're so inconsistent. They're going to come into Seattle like they just won the national championship after they beat Utah. Probably going to have too much emotion um, and come out a little bit flat. You see that with teams that are so amped up and they're so emotional, like they're trying, they're playing a little bit too hard and they come out flat. Now, USC, the past, the first three weeks of the season, have, have had hellacious first drives. They score on, on the, first drive of the, uh, the first drive of the game on almost every game this year. Like they score very quick and then they kind of stall for the rest of the game and, and they try to figure out things from there. I don't think that'll happen. As far as scoring right out, of, right out of the gate, it's going to be tough for them. Um, I feel I think they're going to come out. See, this is the thing. I don't really, I, I don't have an answer for you as far as USC, what they're going to do because they're so wildly inconsistent, and I'm not a fan of inconsistency. So I'm going to take Washington at home over the Trojans only because they won last week. If they're inconsistent, that means they're probably going to play bad uh, this week. Now on to the second game. The aforementioned Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Play number 18, Virginia, who's 4-0 on the season in South Bend, Indiana. Notre Dame coming off of a uh, a tough loss against Georgia. I feel like they really played well uh, the first half, but they could not score the ball. That was their they just couldn't. They had these really these really great drives. Um, nice balance. Ian Book played phenomenal under duress for most of the game, as most quarterbacks would be going up against uh, a Georgia defense. They played very well, and their, their drives just never materialized into points. And that was ultimately the, the damnation of, of Notre Dame. They just could not score. They couldn't finish drives in Georgia, which is not terrible. I mean, Georgia's one of the best defenses in the country. You're not going to hold that against Notre Dame. And I think they will have no problem scoring points against Virginia at home this week. I'll take Notre Dame comfortably. Now here it is, our number, our game number three, our cheese fest of the week. Uh, is that going to be our new segment that we likely won't keep up with? Uh, cheese fest of the week, number one, Clemson, the Tigers, in Chapel Hill against North Carolina, who is unranked. Now on paper, that seems like Stephen. What are you? You're not even trying anymore. This is the cheesiest cheese game that you've cheesed this season. In fact, it is not. Because North Carolina is actually, wait for it, pretty good at football. Mac Brown has resurrected an entire 
program. And the two former coaches who I thought would be jokes, I have to admit when I'm wrong, Herm Edwards and Mac Brown have made fine college football programs. Arizona State is no joke. They could win the Pac-12. Um, North Carolina has had a fantastic start to the season. And Mac, this is his first year. Mac Brown hasn't even gotten started recruiting yet. And North Carolina is a legitimate, respectable football team. Will they win this week? Absolutely not. But it is a much closer game than what the experts think. North Carolina is a very good team. Mac Brown has them rolling. They have they're the, the, the little train, the little engine that could type of team. But they play with a chip on their shoulder. Like, that's who they are. That's their identity, the little engine that could. But they don't play like that. Like, they don't feel like they're inferior, which I love. They play like they're the superior team. Like, they're the big, they're not the underdogs. They're the favorites. And I like that mentality. I like those teams that are the smaller teams, clearly, but they don't have that identity. I love those teams. They're going to lose. But I do like North Carolina, uh, Clemson by 48, which is a very good loss for North Carolina. If you can keep the game within 50 points against Clemson, you've earned my respect. So I'll take Clemson in the cheese fest of the week. But North Carolina, I like a lot. And this game is, I think, will be closer than that. Of course, I'm exaggerating. Um, North Carolina is a respectable team, especially in a conference like the ACC, which is not very deep at all. North Carolina is a very good team in that conference. They are a very good team, period. They've beaten SEC teams. They beat South Carolina right out of the gate. So I I like North Carolina a lot. I don't like them enough to pick them to win. I'll take uh, Clemson for our third game of the college football week. Looking to go 12-3 and now on to the NFL. And admittedly, we did not have the same success in the NFL as we did in college football. We did have a winning week. I will say that. We did have a winning week. We went 2-1, and one, but we did not have um, the 1,000 batting average. We did not go 3-0 in the NFL. We had last week Thursday night, which I did not care about at all. Um, it just kind of blindly and recklessly made a pick um, the Jaguars because they had Gardner Minshew and it turns out they won because they had Gardner Minshew and the Titans did it they won that game so I'll take that one definitely going to add that to the record uh, Ravens and Chiefs we add the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes um, and he really shined now I will say this Lamar Jackson played phenomenal he played great in the fourth quarter for the first three quarters of the game he was shut down the Ravens were getting blown out and he actually turned it on in the fourth quarter and made that game respectable. Not only respectable, the Ravens had a chance to come back and win that game. I was kind of telling everyone to pump the brakes on Lamar Jackson a little bit until he faced some formidable competition, and he most certainly did. The Chiefs are going to be right up there with the, as the favorites to win the AFC with the Patriots. And it took him a while to get things going, did Lamar Jackson, but he did. And I like what I saw from the fourth quarter. I need to see it again. I need to see it over the course of a whole game. Okay, You can't play one of the favorites in the AFC and just show up for one quarter. I love what he did in the fourth quarter, but if he did that for even just the first quarter or the first half, you can make an argument the Ravens win that game. But he didn't, so they didn't. And we got the win last week, picked the Chiefs. Now, we did take the Steelers, and we invested all of our the last of our faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the 49ers. They probably should have... But they didn't, so we didn't. Um, the Steelers lose that game against the 49ers on the road. Played very well. It was a close game. Just couldn't finish it on the road. And Jimmy G looked okay. Didn't look terribly good. Didn't look terribly terrible. Played all right. Good enough to get the win. 49ers are undefeated. So the 49ers are 3-0. and the, I was going to say the Packers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-3. Who would have had that uh, coming out of the gate during the season. So we went 2 and 1. That brings our overall record on the season to 4 and 5. Still under 500, but with an opportunity to change that this week. And that's what we fully intend to do. So get our record into the win column. We want to get over 500, uh, have a win, have a high winning percentage. And so that's what we're going to do this week. And tonight, get ready for this. First time and maybe the last time you hear this all season. We have a very good game on Thursday night. Who would have ever thought? This is probably a sign of the apocalypse. I like the game that we have tonight on Thursday night. And maybe I am a little bit biased. And not maybe. I am a little bit biased in that sense. Um, we have the Eagles 
in Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. Why do I like this game so much? Well, I'll tell you. Packers are undefeated. And I was half right in the sense uh, the Packers, when I said they would be, in reality, their, their fantasy production would not align with their, their fantasy production would not align with their production in reality. It turns out I was just wrong. I was right in, in the wrong way. It's the opposite. I said they would be a good fantasy team and not a very good team in reality. It's actually the opposite. They're very good in reality. Um, and their fantasy players have really not produced. Aaron Rodgers has not produced the numbers in fantasy. Devontae Adams has been a bystander in, in fantasy. The only one, the only viable option is Aaron Jones. And actually, Matt LaFleur said that he's going to dial him back for whatever reason. And he's gonna, um, they're actually going to split carries with Jamal Williams. Like he's purposely trying to torpedo Aaron Jones' fantasy value. Seems like he hates UTEP more than I do, which is actually pretty hard to do. So there's really no fantasy relevancy on this team, and yet they're 3-0. and So I was sort of right, but not entirely. And the Eagles, who I love, I really like the Eagles. I picked them to win the NFC East. I still think they're the best team in the NFC East because the Cowboys, if we're going to tear down Lamar Jackson for not playing anybody, we better call out the Cowboys for not playing anybody because they have played nobody, and they're 3-0. and They have proved nothing. Still have not sold stock on the Eagles, and they are only 1-2. and two. They're off to a pretty rough start this season. They played the Lions last week. Like, they haven't played any world beaters either, and they're 1-2, and two, but I think they'll get it going. They play the Packers tonight, and I also said last week. So we have a shocker. Um, I actually like the game that we get on Thursday night. Who, I mean, what? It's never happened before, and we ha- it happens today. Um, and I also said I will never watch a Thursday night football game. I told you guys do not watch any of the Thursday night games because it's the only way we can get rid of them is if we tank the ratings. And yet, for me, Stephen Martinez, owner, voice of, creator, producer, editor of the Crowd Noise podcast, this is a must-watch game. Must-watch game. And why is that? Is, is it because I like the Eagles so much? Well, yeah, sort of. Is it because the Packers are so interesting because they're actually really good? Yeah, sort of. But here's the main reason. Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and Devontae Adams, all members of my awful, awful fantasy team, must-watch game for me. May not be for you, and I understand it because you likely do not have the combination of players that I do because you're much smarter than me. Um, but this is a must, must-watch game because I have three heavy hitters on my fantasy team all going tonight, and they will likely all disappoint me as they have done for the first three weeks of the NFL season. Enough about me. Let's get to the game. Not selling stock on the Eagles yet. No way am I giving up on Carson Wentz. Um, Zach Ertz, definitely. Well, I can't give up on them for more reasons than one. Um, Deshaun Jackson has been hurt. He did not play last week, and I say last week, it was just on Sunday. He will not play tonight. Alshon Jeffrey did not play on Sunday. Uh, he looks like he's going to be playing tonight. I'm going to say personally questionable because, I mean, we won't know until we see him on the field. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, streaky, but, I mean, a viable option for Carson Wentz, especially with those two guys out, if they are going to be out. Dallas Goddard did not play on Sunday, will play tonight. The Eagles have been banged up right out of the gate. I mean, right out of the gate, they've been banged up. Um, the Packers, not that I don't believe in them, because I do. They have a very good defense. The story of the Packers thus far has been not Aaron Rodgers, but the defense. And that might actually be a good thing. You're leaving room for Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers without having to be LeBron James and be the entire franchise, which is hard to do in football. It's hard to be LeBron James in football. That's why LeBron James plays basketball. Um, I'm taking the Eagles tonight, actually, because I'm not, again, I'm not selling stock on the Eagles just yet. It's only week three, and it's tonight, officially week four. It's way too early in the season to start selling stock on teams, unless it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I've already done. I had to flip that stock as quickly as humanly possible. I was hoping they would win last Sunday. They didn't. It's over. But as far as the Eagles... They're not nearly in the same boat as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I'm picking the Eagles tonight to win and start to turn things around. They'll get back to 500. The Packers, no big deal. They'll move to 3-1 on the year. No reason to panic. 
R-E-L-A-X. Now on Sunday, Browns and Ravens. You guys can call me a Lamar Jackson hater all you want. I'm picking the Ravens to win the game on Sunday. Like what I saw from the Ravens in the fourth quarter last week, they have to they have to put it all together. If they play like that for fourth quarters, the way they did in the fourth quarter last week, they play like that for an entire game, they win. They're undefeated. We're talking about the Ravens being the biggest challenger to the Patriots and not the Chiefs. That all changes over the course of, of three quarters. The Browns are reeling right now. They are struggling, and people are already selling stock on the Browns. Now, the Browns are another team I would say don't sell stock on them unless unless you were one of the buffoons who said they were going to win the Super Bowl this year. And in that case, that one's on you. Okay, You probably should sell that stock because you were an, a, a dummy for buying it in the first place. But if you were like me and you were wise enough to say they'll probably make the playoffs and probably get in as a wild card, stand pat. Okay, they've had some pretty tough teams out of the gate. They played the Rams on Sunday night. Luzak, even though it's at home, the Rams are, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl last year. They're the Rams. They're a great team. They get the Ravens this week. They're going to lose. And it's not over yet. They're not, they'll not be dead in the water by the end of Sunday. They will lose this week. I'm taking Lamar Jackson in a QB battle against Baker Mayfield. Who would have saw that one coming? You can call me Lamar Jackson hater all you want. I just need to see it consistently over the course of a whole season and maybe even more. I said the same I said about Lamar Jackson last week, and I said it about even Jimmy Garoppolo. Lamar Jackson impressed me with what he did in the fourth quarter last week. I need to see more of that over the course of an entire game. I think he'll do it this week against the Cleveland Browns to take the Ravens uh, at home, too. That's, that's huge for the Ravens playing in Baltimore. Nasty having, having to play against them um, in, in their home field. And finally... The last game of the week, the Cowboys and the Saints. Cowboys in New Orleans and Mercedes, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Originally, I had picked the Saints. And I was jotting up my notes and stuff. I had picked the Saints to win the game because the Cowboys did not look nearly impressive against the Miami Dolphins. Um, struggled early, and honestly, Miami had a chance to win that game. It got away from them at the end. But if they convert their opportunities and the Miami Dolphins don't play like the Miami Dolphins in the first half of that game, I mean, the Cowboys were just not impressive. I'm trying to make an analogy and trying to stretch things out. They were, they were not at their top form last week. But they won. They took care of business. They didn't completely implode and lose against the worst team in the NFL. But they did not play at their best form. And the Saints, you may have forgotten, because I certainly did. They won last week. They beat the Seahawks in Seattle. They dominated so I was leaning towards picking the Saints originally. Originally. Like I said earlier, the Cowboys have proved absolutely nothing this season. They've played three of maybe the three worst teams in the league outside of Arizona. The only team that they haven't played this year that is terrible are the Cardinals. They've played some very bad team. They played the Giants before Daniel Jones, and again, not sold on him either. You think I always like to call out Lamar Jackson. It's not just him. I'm not sold on Daniel. Are you kidding me? You think I'm sold on Daniel Jones after one game? No way. I have, have not bought any stock on Dan, Danny Dimes just yet. But besides that point, they play the Giants before Daniel, uh, Daniel Jones gets in. They play the Redskins, who are not good at all. I think they haven't, lost, they haven't won a game either this year. They've lost every game they played. And they play the Dolphins. The only thing to complete that, that platinum sombrero is the Arizona Cardinals, who they will not see this season. But they have played no one, bottom line. They have played the worst. They should be 3-0. If they were anything other than 3-0 with Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys would have some serious problems right now. But they're not, so they don't. Um, they will play the Saints on the road this week. This is the first challenge for them. And yet, even still, the Saints are without Drew Brees. So this may not even be the litmus test that we thought it was going to be for the Dallas Cowboys. Taking the Dallas Cowboys to win this Sunday because of their defense, not because of their offense, which I don't think is bad because they're not. I think I think I actually like the Cowboys' offense this year. Kellen Moore is kind of the architect and and really orchestrating some balance and some creativity into the offense, which I like a lot. But the best unit on this team is the defense. That's their bread and butter. 
And when you go up against Teddy Bridgewater, even though they're going to be at home, it will be a very, very tough game for the Cowboys. Sean Payton, one of the best offensive minds in the game. I think the Cowboys have enough talent on the field to slow them down enough, even with Michael Thomas, even with Alvin Kamara, who have not been very impressive to start the year uh, as well in terms of fantasy. I like the Cowboys to win this week uh, in a close one. I think this will be within 10 points. The Cowboys will win this game on the road. Cowboy fans will act like they just won the Super Bowl, and even still, it will have an asterisk next to it because they did not play Drew Brees. Nevertheless, I am taking the Cowboys to win this Sunday. There are your NFL picks for the week. And now, time. Let's close it out real strong this week. For the quote of the week, we might have skipped it last week. I don't even remember if we did or not. We probably did if we did. Sorry, I don't care. Um, quote of the week for this week, and it's uh, it's an intriguing one. It's a layered one. It takes some big brain plays to understand this quote of the week. Here we go. Quote: Urban Meyer is thinking now. I will have a quarterback to work with. Carl, let me get this right. Carl Balch. You can find him on Twitter at Hitman206. Now, I'm not really necessarily worried about the quote from the quote E. I'm worried about the response to the quote from Carl Balch at Hitman206. Make sure you go give him a follow. That's where we get our quote of the week from this week. Uh, a very low-level quote of the week. Maybe, and no disrespect to Carl Balch, but the lowest-level personality of all the quotes of the week that we've ever had. He's, he's, he's a common folk. He's, he's one of us. Usually we have like Hall of Famers and, and all pros and stuff like that. This week we have at Hitman206. And I'm not really worried about the tweet. Or the tweet isn't really what's interesting. Because it's not. It's just an opinion. You know, credit to Carl Bouts for putting his opinion out there. We're not disrespecting his opinion. But it's not exactly a super hot take. Is what I'm trying to say. What makes this interesting is the response to Carl Bouts' tweet from the username at hitman206 urban meyer himself liked this tweet now what the heck does that mean if we're looking at it from nba terms right and we use nba level of speculation this could mean urban meyer is on his way to the coliseum to coach the usc trojans next year now a lot needs to happen for that to be true now this tweet was made Last Saturday after USC destroyed Utah at home. Again, irritating me because they're so wildly inconsistent. But that's not the point. That's not the theme we're going for for the quote of the week. Um, They beat Utah handily at home. Keaton Slovis plays pretty well. Or not, actually, it wasn't Keaton Slovis. It was Matt Fink. Keaton Slovis exited the game. And we were all talking about Keaton Slovis uh, the week before replacing JT Daniels. He gets hurt, leaves the game. Um... First possession of the game, actually, Matt Fink steps right in and looks lights out. Now it's a question of, well, who do you start if Keaton Slovis is is healthy? Matt Fink or Keaton Slovis? And so that's a new topic. And that's not what we're talking about for the quote of the week. What we're talking about is Urban Meyer liking this tweet about him potentially having a quarterback to work with at USC. And, you know, maybe... You might be saying, well, he's just trolling. He's just, you know, adding fuel to the fire of the speculation. Urban Meyer was at that game. He was there. (laughs) Present in the Coliseum. Why? Kind of tone it down a little bit. He wasn't just there scouting. He was there. He was working with the Fox uh, college football crew, which includes the greatest college football running back in the history of the game, Reggie Bush. And maybe one of the greatest college quarterbacks in the history of the game, Matt Leinert. That's not the angle we're working here either. What we're working, the angle we're working here is, why did Urban Meyer like this tweet? Is Urban Meyer the best troll in college football? He has to, he works for a media, a sports media network for crying out loud. He's heard the rumors and the speculation of Urban Meyer going to USC. Urban Meyer, this is not a surprise to him that people are, atta- are attaching him to USC. So it could, be, it could be one of two things. It could be 
Urban Meyer saying, yes, I'm on the way to South Central LA. It's happening, but keep it hush-hush a little bit. Or it could be Urban Meyer with the ultimate troll of the season. I will say this. It is leaning more towards the troll side only because USC was down to its third-string quarterback. And if Urban Meyer were to take over for Clay Hilton, should he be relieved of duties, it's unlikely that Urban Meyer would hand the reins to a third-string quarterback. I'm just saying. Unless, and of course, you could make the argument, maybe Urban Meyer likes, maybe he's the ultimate coach and he thinks Matt Fink should be starting and not JT Daniels and not Keaton Slovis. And maybe he thinks, are you kidding me? Why would I ever give it to a third-string quarterback? This is ridiculous. Let me go ahead and like this to just make dummies on the Crowd Noise podcast go bananas. I don't know. I'm just saying it's very, very interesting and peculiar. Two very fancy words that we don't normally use on the Crowd Noise podcast. That Urban Meyer would like a tweet from Carl Bouch, a.k.a. Hitman206. How did he even find this tweet? And Hitman206 is not the first person, admittedly, you can go to at Stephen Strange underscore on Twitter, to connect Urban Meyer and USC. So why did he like this tweet specifically, and why did he like it after that specific game? All I'm saying is, there's a question leading to another question, to another question, and never knowing the unknowable. Will Urban Meyer be at USC? I do not know. I cannot spoil that for you. All I'm saying is, this is pretty interesting. Interesting stuff from Urban Meyer, potentially the biggest troll in college football. There's two sides to every story, as I've always said on this, on this podcast. There are two sides to this liked tweet. Is he trolling? Is he actually considering going to USC? It's just peculiar that he would like this tweet specifically from at Hitman206 at the Coliseum while he was working that game. You never know. Could be um, some interesting development. And you never know. Going back to tying this whole thing, putting a bow on this thing. If USC were to win the Pac-12 and go to a Rose Bowl, it'd be hard to fire Clay Helton for that. It would be truly hard to fire Clay Helton for winning a Rose Bowl with this team that's supposed to be so inexperienced with a brand new offense and you're down to your third string quarterback, you win a Rose Bowl with that? Hard to fire um, Clay Helton under those circumstances, but potentially may not even be enough. Because if it's between Clay Helton or Urban Meyer, guess which one I'm picking? That's going to take us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks for sticking around for uh, the quote of the week and this wild conspiracy theory speculation that we are feeding you. This is now becoming uh, the Alex Jones sports podcast, apparently, with the level of um, speculation that we are currently uh, speculating with. But I appreciate you stopping by. I hope to talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the games on Saturday, Sunday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. Do not forget about those MLB wildcard games. I will certainly be watching those games. Uh, I hope you will be watching those games as well. This tonight might actually be worth a while. You have a game tonight that's actually a pretty good game. The Eagles, I know a lot of people are down on them. I have not sold stock in the Eagles one bit. That's going to be a very fun game tonight. So enjoy the games. I will talk to you next week.